0: Want more 90s nostalgia? Become an Everything 90s fan club member today. As a club member, you will have access to bonus content such as the Everything 90s magazine, 90s trivia, podcast behind the scenes, access to my movie podcast, the ones you forgot about, and more. Click the link in the show notes to join. Your support is greatly appreciated. Everything 90s fam, welcome back to another nostalgic trip down 90s memory lane. If you're new here, my name is Shalina and I created this podcast for my fellow 90s babies and 90s kids. For episode 47, I'll be sharing my deep dive on the incredible and iconic R&B group Destiny's Child. I'll begin with my love for Destiny's Child and how I was introduced to them, and then for the remainder of the episode, I will cover everything from their beginning days up until their disbandment in 2006. The sources I use for this deep dive are mainly pulled from interviews of Destiny's Child members over the years, Matthew Knowles' book Destiny's Child, The Untold Story, as well as entertainment news articles. So I tried my best to stay away from uh, Wikipedia and use sources that were as true to their story as as possible. I'm Latavia. Um, I sing The Bottom, and I'm also the spokesperson of the group. And I guess I'm what everyone calls the diva, <laughs> Miss Sassy <Sassy-lessy>. Lassie. <laughs> she doesn't let nobody hear. Hate- Talk to us crazy. I mean, I say I'm real with you. If someone does something like they say something that's completely out of line, I'll be like, hey, why you say that? It was uncalled for. You need to go. This this. you know what I'm saying? But I'm not a mean person at all. If you're listening to this episode and you have no idea who Destiny's Child is, fret not, I have you covered. Destiny's Child was a female R&B group from Houston, Texas, that consisted of Latavia Robertson, Beyonce Knowles, Calendria Rowland, aka Kelly, LaToya Luckett, and later on Tenetra Williams, aka Michelle, and for a brief period, Farah Franklin. I became a fan of DC back in the summer of either 1999 or 2000, and this occurred when I went on one of my annual family road trips to my aunt and cousin's place in Brooklyn, New York. And for a week or so that I was there, my cousin Nikki, shout out to Nikki, and her friends played the Destiny's Child, the Writings on the Wall album on repeat. Uh, that whole trip, that's what I remember from one of those trips. And accompanied with the this nonstop playing of the album was their dancing and loud singing throughout the apartment. And till this day, I have a picture in my head of Nikki singing, um, so good. And where'd you go? Those are, it's forever in my brain. Um, and around this time I was eight or nine, I was very impressionable at that age and wanted to be into the same stuff as my older cousins because they were older and Much cooler than me so I I just remember uh, wanting to be like them. So one of the days in the week uh, they took me down to Flatbush Avenue. They bought me my own copy of the CD. Uh, Mind you this was a bootleg copy but back then I had no idea about bootleg and real CDs but um, later on in my adulthood I did buy the real version of of this album, and yeah, when I got home back to Brampton, I would play that CD on repeat, just like my cousins. And I was obsessed with the songs uh, "Say My Name," "Bugaboo." I also liked "Where'd You Go," uh, "Bills, Bills, Bills," and uh, "Hey Ladies." And I also have a fond memory, actually. I don't know if it was that same year or year before or after, but there was one time at summer day camp, a group of my friends and I made a dance to say my name. And I actually still remember some of the moves till this day, believe it or not. And then in grade five, I had a Destiny's Child themed birthday party. So this would be 2001. Yeah, because it was my 10th birthday. And this was back when it was three members. So it was Beyonce, Kelly, and Michelle. And I got to go to their concert. My first concert ever was uh, seeing them at the Air Canada Centre, now called the Scotiabank Arena, uh, when they came to Toronto. And I had a ball. I had horrible seats, but I was just, I knew no better. And it was just having so much fun. And what was also a special treat about that concert was Dream. Do y'all remember Dream? They opened for them, and so did Sugar Jones. Do y'all remember Sugar Jones? Do you remember when days are like that? Mm. Ah, loved that group. After this, I'm going to see if they're on Spotify. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So that's kind of how my love for Destiny's Child started. In high school, when I got to, I'd say maybe like grade 10, grade 11, my love for DC kind of dwindled and I didn't really keep up with their last album, Destiny Fulfilled. Uh, But in my recent adult years, I started listening to their music again and I became intrigued to know more about their story especially uh why learning more about why Latavia and Latoya were fired from the group back in 2000 so hence this deep dive. Um, Kelly and I guess what differs me from the rest of the girls is my I'm really sensitive I'm really mushy like I keep putting away groceries excuse me and I'll be like Gosh, I love you guys. And i will be like, oh, Kelly. Kelly. oh be like, Kelly. Kelly. You always have to have a moment like that, you know, just to let them know and reassure them, you know, you guys mean a lot to me. You know, I love you guys. Also, the fact that I'm the second lead vocalist to the group. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Destiny's Child was established in 1990 by Denise Seals and Deborah Leday of D&D Management. And the group's original lineup was Beyonce, Stacy, as the main lead vocals, Tamar, Millicent Latavia, Chris, and Latavia's cousins Nikki and Nina. They actually were not called Destiny Child uh, back in 1990. They were they went through many names, but their first I guess group name was Girls Time, and between 1990 to 1995. Other names that they had were Something Fresh, Cliché, The Dolls, and Destiny. So in 1991, Destiny's Child, uh, Girls' Time, was signed to a record company called The Record Plant Studios, and it was during this time that Ernie Frager, which was in charge of this of the records plant studio decided to make beyonce the lead vocalist because he felt at the time that she was much stronger in comparison to the other girls and had more energy to lead the group so something that's interesting is you could actually stream these songs on spotify today and another interesting note about those songs, if you listen to Boy, I Want You, there's a part of the song where it sounds exactly like a part in uh, Bootylicious. Uh, So when they go... So yeah, that part is in Boy, I Want You and then years later in Bootylicious. I thought that was a cool connection. Latavia actually met Kelly in 1992 at their elementary school. They were friends and one day they were bonding, playing Barbies and Latavia heard Kelly singing Whitney Houston's song, I'm Your Baby Tonight. And she was floored. And told her, you have to try out for their group. And then she ended up getting into the group as one of the background singers. In the beginning, uh, they were managed by Andretta Tillman. And co-managed by Matthew Knowles. And then eventually managed solely by Matthew Knowles. And in his book, he revealed he became more involved Um, After they participated in Star Search in 1993, by this time when they were on Star Search, uh, the group was Latavia, Beyonce, Kelly, a girl named Ashley, and then Nikki and Nina. I remember our first time performing as Destiny's Child. We didn't have a name. We were nine years old. And um, (laughs) we were backstage like, what are we telling my name is? And we, we... Stick on and we were putting kisses on paper and we were like, "Kiss, that's the name, Kiss." We had no idea there was already a band. <laughs> kiss. and we were performing and there were kids crying and asking for their mothers and screaming like, "We don't want to see this," but we were so excited to perform. It didn't matter. It was great. So I don't know if this applies to you, but I was under the impression that Kelly and Beyonce. Are cousins, but they are not cousins, and I'm not sure how this misconception came about. But this was actually one of the most shocking things I came across during this uh, mini research uh, deep dive. So, in 90, around this time of uh, during or after Star Search, um, Kelly's mom was a live-in nanny, and the family that they were, um, that she was nannying for, gave them short notice that they had to move out um, within 30 days of when they told her, Kelly's mom, that um, they, that she had to move out. So she wanted, she didn't really have much time to, you know, find a place. So she had asked Tina and Matthew if Kelly could stay temporarily uh, with them while she found, you know, Uh, suitable housing. In the book, Matthew reveals that this temporary living um, situation turned permanent uh, for the next 12 plus years. And ultimately, Kelly's mom made the decision so that Kelly could still participate uh, in girls' time and wouldn't, wouldn't miss any rehearsals or shows. Also around this time, Nikki and Nina were let go from the group and Ashley left. As a result, uh, Latavia became a singer instead of a dancer and rapper. Uh, So she was given vocal lessons. And what's interesting is Matthew reveals also in his book that back when it was Beyonce, Latavia, Kelly, and Ashley he would actually have them do team building exercises uh, at, at the house. And he noticed during these team building exercises, Ashley, these are his words, um, wasn't much of a team player. And she also outgrown the other girls. So she ended up leaving the group due to, due to that and also He also revealed in his book that the mom wanted her to have more leads. Uh, So there was conflict there and she ended up uh, leaving the group. So Matthew held auditions at his house for a new vocalist to replace Ashley. And this is when Latoya joins the group. So Latoya was actually a friend of Beyonce's. They met at Girl Scouts and after doing a school play together, Beyonce asked LaToya to try out for the group and she ended up getting the part. Hi, I'm LaToya and I'm the crazy soprano of the group. I'm the one that keeps everybody laughing. I I'm very hyper, very energetic. <laughs> oh. There's always something to laugh about when I I'm around. I'm the stank one. But they are all crazy, so they cannot even front. And why are you hitting me (laughs) on that? No, they are all crazy. Once it gets late, we all start going a little bonkers. (laughs) Like me and Latoya had a concert on the bus. (laughs) So now it's around 1995, and the group consists of Latavia, Kelly, Beyonce, and Latoya, the ones that we were introduced to as Destiny's Child. So uh, 1995, this is when they renamed themselves Destiny's Child. And what's interesting that I found is that they were actually almost signed to LaFace Records. This is the same record label that Usher was signed to, TLC, Toni Braxton, but they were actually signed to, they got signed to Electra Records. And I was thinking if that would have worked out, if they actually were signed to LaFace Records, would LaFace Records give them the same uh, funds and time considering that TLC was like their main girl group? So it worked out for them that they weren't signed to LeFace Records. Um, Sadly, they were dropped from Elektra Records before they could even create an album. Um, And then luckily, Columbia Records came to the rescue and they got signed to Columbia Records. So as they are, you know, recording songs, starting to work on their album, Um, Matthew would host boot camps that the girls would undergo, which consisted of jogging while singing, dancing in heels, and adhering adhering to a strict uh, diet, no junk food diet. And they would also practice performing in Tina's hair salon. So Beyonce's mom uh, hair salon. And what I really like and respect about the early days of Destiny's Child is how involved each member's family was in their career. So, Latavia and Latoya's parents and Kelly's parents were also involved, which you don't really hear about. You mostly hear about uh, Matthew and Tina. Uh, but they, so Latavia's mom was their chaperone. And Kelly and Latoya's moms helped with organizing their tours. And then, as many of you may know, Tina was their hair and clothing stylist. And then Matthew was their manager. You obviously are Beyonce, which I did know. Uh, you are a Virgo, so you have my deepest sympathy. I'm one too, which means you're probably a perfectionist. And yes, you're I probably am. an organizer. And those are not always easy or popular things to be. Are you also the select and mother figure in the group? Yes. I am, whenever something is, needs to be, something needs to be done, say, come on, y'all, we gotta do this, we gotta do that. Just try to keep everything together. And I am very much so a perfectionist. Too much, (laughs) too much of a perfectionist sometimes. I know the feeling. I have to work on that. So in 1997, their song Killing Time was featured on the Men in Black soundtrack which also appears on their self-titled debut album released a year later in February and the main producers on their debut album were Jermaine Dupri, Wyclef Jean um, who also feature on their songs and Corey Rooney. This album reached number 14 on the Billboard Top R&B Hip Hop Album and number 67 on the Billboard Hot 100 album list. And the remix of their song No 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 reached number one on the Billboard R&B hip-hop charts, and number three on the Billboard Hot 100 charts, receiving a platinum certification. However, their second single off this album, which I have no memory of and that's probably because i was introduced to them uh during their second album but their song with me do you all remember with me i youtubed it and it it did not ring a bell the music video did not ring a bell but unfortunately their second this second single the second single uh didn't receive the same success as uh no 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 but in the same year they won a soul train award for lady of soul category for best new artist some of my favorite songs off this album are second nature oh the first time i heard second nature which is the opening song of the album i'm just like what is this gold why didn't they come out with this song? Oh, it's so good. The harmonies, stellar. Um, I'm blanking. Oh yeah. So Show Me The Way, which I think, I think Kelly is a lead vocalist on that song because it doesn't sound like Beyonce. So I think it's Kelly. If anyone knows who the lead's vocalist on that song. If it is indeed Kelly, please let me know. Please let me know. I also like their song Know That and You're the Only One. Um, You're the Only One gives me Brandy's baby vibes. It it also sounds like a it could be a Mary J. Blige song. And I wonder if the producer of that song worked with those two artists. But yeah, those are my favorite songs. From that album let me know what your favorite songs are from their debut album if you have any so as you know desi's child is making their way debut into the world um, on the music charts um, they were also building their fandom through touring with acts such as swv drew hill and jagged edge and also through tv show appearances so in 1998 they were on an episode of smart guy entitled a date with destiny and in 2000 they were on the famous jet jackson i believe in this episode it's uh kelly michelle and beyonce and then in the smart guy episode it's uh, the four four original what's cool is in an I came across a 2019 interview of Jason Weaver, who plays Marcus, uh, talking about how it was like uh, when working with Destiny's Child. And he said, quote, They were an absolute pleasure to work with. Uh, Like every other young brother, I was in love with Beyonce and Kelly. They probably thought while they were working with me that I might have been a little standoffish it was because I was also nervous, end quote. So moving on to their second album, my favorite album, The Writing's on the Wall. They released this album on July 14th, 1999, and this landed them more number one singles on the Billboard charts and a Grammy award. However, this would be the last album that Latavia and Latoya recorded as Destiny's Child members. Uh, more on that coming up next. First, let's talk about the producers. So the main producers on this album were Shakespeare, uh, Rodney Jerkins aka Dark Child, Missy Elliott, uh, Chris Stokes, Matthew Knowles, Beyonce, and Candy of R&B group Escape. I also read that Timberland was an uncredited producer on this album as well. Um, I'm not sure why he wasn't credited, but that's what I read. The main writers on this album were Candy, Missy Elliott, Dark Child, and LaShawn Daniels. And the members of Destiny's Child also have quite a few writing credits well which is pretty nice so commercially this album saw much more traction and success compared to their first one it received eight times platinum certification number six on the billboard chart top 200 and a year after its debut it bumped up to number five their debut song was bills 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 which reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100. This was their first number one on the Hot 100 charts. And this song became the ninth best-selling single of 1999. A fun fact that I found out about this song, it was written by Candy from Escape. And she came up with the concept and wrote it with the girls. And in an interview... Uh, That Candy did with Glamour, she said, quote, I used a lot of my past relationships as inspiration. The relationship I had been in prior to writing the song, I took inspiration from it. Though I didn't tell them that, now this is really this is the really funny part. One of the girls that was in the group was dating my ex at the time, so I didn't tell them that some of the lyrics in there were inspired by him. The part that was a clear inspiration was using my phone and pretending like he didn't use it, driving my car and not putting any gas in it. That was real stuff that had happened to me, but I won't tell you who from the group was dating my ex. Another fun fact about this song is in 2015, a New York-based rock band called They Might Be Giants, recorded it as a cover version and released it on their album called Phone Power. This song was also performed as an cappella on the TV show Glee for the 11th episode of the second season. And lastly, the music video of this song takes place in a salon, which was um, a gesture towards uh, Tina and I guess kind of a callback to their earlier days when they would practice um, in her salon. So the second single off this album was Bugaboo and was also written by Candy. In a 2015 Yahoo Music interview, she revealed that Disney's child wasn't too fond of the song at first, but when she, you know, elaborated on the concept, they ended up recording the song and including it on their album. My least favorite would probably have to be oh gosh, Bugaboo, Bugaboo. Oh, I love Bugaboo. No, Bugaboo is like this one part on the like the bridge. Where I'm like, ah. This song is definitely. Like, listening to it now in 2022 is definitely a 90s time capsule type of song with the uh, reference to a pager, which inspired my one of my everything 90s pins, the pager pins, is inspired by this song. So this single, like their second single off of their first album, didn't do as well on the billboard Hot 100, it reached 33. And on the Billboard Hot R&B and Hip Hop charts, it reached 15. I actually like Bugaboo. And some of my other favorite songs off of this album are Hey Ladies. Love that song. As a kid, had no idea what it was about. But as an adult and as someone who experienced heartbreak, uh, in my early twenties, I definitely correlate to this song, um, and I wish I remembered this song in my early twenties when I was going through that bad breakup. But it's all good. So yeah, hey ladies, so good, bugaboo, say my name, stay. Mm. Where is it? Where was that song? In my early twenties, totally forgot about it. And temptations what I like about temptations is the they use like that nursery song the melody of that um uh this element is it this old man I think it's this old man they use the melody in this song and I think that's why <laughs> this song uh I gravitated towards the song because it like because I guess because that familiarity, I can't relate to it. Hopefully, I don't have to relate to it or ever have to relate to that circumstance. But hey, you know, they're being honest. They're singing about their temptations and not giving into it. So that's good. That's a good sign. All right. So now we're going to head into the part of the deep dive that made me really sad, even though this happened 22 years ago, especially because I I learned more about what was going on back then. I I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on with their breakup and the the lawsuits. Uh, So revisiting this and hearing, uh, especially hearing Latavia talk about it in recent times. So, uh, sorry, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So when they released their third single say my name uh the music video came out in february of 2000 if you were there you along with other fans and and even the producers of this song dark child were shocked a little confused um except for me because nine-year-old me wasn't really paying attention but the music video did not have latoya or Latavia, but two other girls. This is where Farah comes in and Michelle comes in. Um and fun fact about Michelle, she was a background singer for Monica. So now I'm going to play different interview clips of Latavia, Matthew, Tina, and Beyoncé talking about the breakup and the lawsuits. The interview clip of Latavia is from 2017, Matthews is from 2020, and Tina's and Beyonce's are from 2002. I couldn't find any interviews of Kelly talking about the matter, and out of the ones I found of Latoya, she didn't really provide much detail, so that's why I went with these four. You know, several stories have been told. I've gotten yes. that story from Beyoncé. I've gotten mm-hmm. it from Kelly. Uh, gotten it from Latoya. Mm-hmm. So, your perspective on when that fell apart? Um, it. All of our issues. Uh, well, mine and Latoya's issues was with management. It had yeah. nothing to do with us as a girls. You repeat, liked you know. each other? Yeah. Yes. We 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 loved each other. We were sisters. Sisters have sisterly spats or anything. We weren't fighting and pulling out hair and all that. That was <laughs> never the case with us. It was never that. Um, I, mean, I remember but, talking to Beyoncé. <clears> her, her what she said basically, it was hurt it was it was it was devastating to even have to do it. Um, the management was not trying to be fired. We were trying to add business management yeah. to management to protect everyone, and that was it, and so it was a decision to release us. yeah, and so it is what it is. It's nothing that we can do about it. Right. Well, we- and yes, I got a uh, an attorney called me out of the blue to tell me that I would be getting a certified letter, and uh, he had just faxed me the letter. Uh, to tell me that at this point he was now on an interim basis managing Latavia and Latoya. I said, well, this would never work. Um, You can't have two managers that's not on the same page. How could you even do a tour? How could you make a record? How could you even decide what you're going to wear where you got two people against two people? Uh, and I went to the record label, and they supported me wholeheartedly. They finally made the ultimate decision. They were devastated. I mean, when we first got the letter, I l- literally had to go in and pick Beyoncé up out of the bed. I mean, like, pick her up and say, you know, get up. Because that's somebody that you've been with since you were 10. And not only did they love those girls we love them too because they've been around my house since they were 10 and we were like a family so it was devastating we were becoming different people and it was two people and two people And to make a long story short when you're in a group and you want to be successful it's impossible to be successful when you can't get along and being in a singing group is like a marriage you wake up see each other and for 12 14 sometimes 18 hours out of the day you're with each other it's impossible to fake in front in front of the camera you can only do that for so long so some of the articles that i came across during this research said that the issues that latoya and latavia had with matthew was him showing favoritism towards beyonce and kelly and that he took too much of their profits However, these were not in direct quotations from them, and of the interviews that I came across, Latavia and Latoya didn't mention these specifics. Also, while putting this section of the deep dive together, one question that came to mind was, did did Latoya and Latavia receive a Grammy for Say My Name? Uh, because at the award show, it was Kelly, Beyonce, and Michelle who went on stage to accept the award. So I was kind of wondering about that. But thankfully, I did come across a MTV news article that said they indeed got a Grammy as well. Uh, they just received theirs separately. So to wrap up this section of the deep dive, as I mentioned before, I felt really sad learning about this breakup, um, especially when Latavia spoke on her depression that happened after after the fact and when Tina also spoke about Beyonce's depression as well, I think also what makes it what made me really sad is these ladies have been in a group together for so many years and it's super unfortunate that both parties couldn't just come to an agreement where everyone wins. Um, so it's unfortunate but thankfully in 2022, all members seem to be friends again and seem to be at peace. Um, I've seen a couple of photos of, um, I've seen a photo of Latavia and Beyonce and Latoya and Beyonce, and they look very cheerful. As well as I came across a photo of Latoya and Michelle, which is pretty cool. Um, And an interview of Kelly and Latoya, and they seemed at peace and friends again. So that's that's really good to know. Six months after joining the group, unfortunately Farah left Destiny's Child and in a recent interview at Vlad TV, she revealed she also had issues with management and with the overall group as well. So I've linked the full interview in my show notes. So definitely check out her side of the story. Very important to hear. Another thing that's super unfortunate about that situation was during this time, like early 2000s, 2000s, 2001, uh, Destiny child received a lot of mockery from you know TV show hosts, comedians, fellow artists in the music industry. And yeah, that must have been super frustrating for for the members to go through and ah, it's just it's just sad that they didn't really receive much support from these hosts and uh fellow artists in the industry i'm missing you missing you boy i'm missing you and all the things that we used to do i'm missing you missing you boy i'm missing you and i want you so bad So one year after the breakup, Latoya and Latavia formed a new group called Angel with two other girls, Natty and Tiffany, and they were supposedly signed to Jagged Edge's company, uh, which was a division of Soso Death. And the reason why I say supposedly is because the only source I found online um, about Angel was a Wikipedia fan page. And the fan page didn't have any sources, like uh, they didn't provide any sources where they got their information from. So as a result, I'm not sure how true um, and valid the information is. Um, But on that page, it said that their album got shelved, so didn't have a chance to get released due to some issues with their record company. So they ended up disbanding in 2003. Shout out to 90s r and University podcast. One of their episodes, they talk about Angel briefly, and that's the first time I heard about Angel. So shout out to and Shan for educating the miseducated on all things R&B, rhythm and blues. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's their tagline. Alright, so after the breakup, after the messy lawsuits, the messy media coverage in 2001, they came back strong and this was another successful and busy year for, for the ladies as they released two albums, their third album, Survivor. And their Christmas album, Eight Days of Christmas. And the year before these two albums, they released their song, Independent Woman" for the Charlie's Angels soundtrack, which was later featured on their Survivor album. Independent Women spent 11 weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100, uh, and this was their longest number one single. And also the longest number one single of 2000. In addition, as I mentioned, this was a busy year for them. This was the year that Beyonce appeared in her first acting role in the TV movie Carmen, a hip-hop opera. And they also, alongside Solange, did the theme song for The Proud Family. Um, so yeah, really super busy year and successful year for for the group. The main producers of this album were Beyonce, Rob Fusari, Corey Rooney, Anthony Dent, K-Fam, Mark Feist, and Matthew Knowles. So the main singles off of this album were Survivor, Bootylicious, Nasty Girl, and Emotion. And a little fun fact, in case you didn't know, Emotion is actually a cover of the Bee Gees song, same title, from the 70s. And the first time I realized it was a cover, I was watching the movie Roll Bounce. This was back in high school, and in one of the scenes, this song plays, and um, it wasn't Destiny's Child voice, it was another voice. And then that's when I realized okay it's the Bee Gees so they actually won another Grammy for their song Survivor Uh, reportedly was inspired by a joke from a DJ from a radio station who said that the the Destiny's Child members were voting each other off like on an island in reference to the reality tv show Survivor Some articles I read said that they basically took this joke, turned it around, and used it to empower themselves. And look, hey, they got a Grammy. And this album did amazing um, on the charts. So take that, mockers. Some fun facts about Bootylicious that I came across is it's actually a sample. It samples Stevie Nicks' song, Edge of Seventeen. And she actually makes a cameo in their music video, but as a kid, you see, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known this. Um, so that was something cool that I came across. And the co-writer and producer of this song revealed in a 2016 Entertainment Weekly news interview. Uh, his name is Rob Fusari. Uh, he says, "Quote." I had this one track with a Stevie Nicks Edge of seventeen guitar loop on it and it would become bootylicious. I got a call from someone else who wanted to use it on a on a Belle Biv DeVoe record, but I gave it to Matthew for Destiny's Child. It had no lyrics, it was just a track. Then I talked to Beyonce over the phone and she had and she had the bootylicious concept in her head. I wanted to pull the Stevie Nicks loop out of the Bootylicious track and replace it with a different part from Eye of the Tiger. Matthew was adamant about not replacing it, but I knew it was going to come with a significant sample fee. Sure enough, it was 50% of everything. End quote. This album is actually uh my least favorite dc album don't come for me don't come for me followed by destiny's fulfilled which i did not vibe with don't come for me don't come for me um but i will share some of my favorite songs from survivor independent women part 1 emotion dangerously in love survivor and Uh, brown eyes and I also adore their gospel medley moving on to their fourth album eight days of Christmas also released in 2001 a fond memory that I have with this album is playing it while decorating the Christmas tree with my my mom and my sister Um, this is my third favorite DC album or tied with their debut, and um, I love, love their harmonies throughout this album. My favorite songs are Eight Days of Christmas, a DC Christmas medley, Little Drummer Boy, and what I really like about this album, um, as an adult listening to it, is Kelly and Michelle got their own leads. Kelly's Do You Hear What I Hear, I Adore, and uh, Michelle on Oh Holy Night. I just, yeah, I, I, I love that uh, they got some um, spotlight on this one. Before heading into their hiatus final album and their disbandment, I wanted to take a quick moment to give the floor to some fans of Destiny's Child to share their fond memories of the group. So, for today's listener's corner, we have messages from Chastity, Adrian, and Lex. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I'm um, Chastity, Midnight RB Edition. I am the biggest Destiny Child fan in the whole wide world. Those girls mean the world to me. Been a fan of them since 1998, since I was eight years old. I've had all their CDs from the beginning to end. My favorite album out of them is that last album, Destiny Fulfilled. That album means the world to me because they were so grown and sexy and just diverse and just love everything they've done. Thank you for doing this. Love Destiny Child with all my life. Thank you. I remember when Beyonce, Kelly and Michelle toured Australia for the Writings on the Wall album, and I was fortunate enough to meet them and get my Writings on the Wall CD signed. Beyonce asked me if I was going to the show that evening. Kelly loved my hair and asked to touch it, and I swore never to wash my hair ever again. And Michelle sat there and smiled it was everything. Hey, Shalina, this is Lex from Chasing Childhood Podcast. I just had to chime in on this Destiny's Child love because I was obsessed with them when I was younger. I mean, I used to make these horrible music videos in my basement to their songs and nobody will ever see them. But I love Destiny's Child. And it all stems back from my first ever Barbie doll, it was a Kelly Rowland Barbie doll, and she had the most beautiful blue outfit on. And I'll have to send you pictures because it was incredible. And I know you're going to absolutely kill this episode, and I can't wait to hear it. Thank you so much, Chastity, Adrian, and Lex, for sharing your fond memories of DC. I love hearing from listeners of the podcast and connecting with you all. If you ever want to be featured on a listener's corner segment, all you have to do is leave a voice message at memo.fm slash everything90s podcast. My next episode, I'll be covering the TV show Living Single. So if you want to share a fond memory of the show or talk about your favorite episode or character, leave a 20 to 30 second voice message and I'll include it on the next episode. So in 2002, Destiny's Child announced and went on a hiatus, two-year hiatus. In a 2003 interview of Kelly, she revealed that it was actually Matthew's idea for them to go on hiatus and focus on their solo careers um, and projects and to take a break from the public eye as Destiny's Child members because of the negative uh, media coverage since Latoya and Latavia and Farah left the group. During this hiatus, Michelle was the first of the three to release her debut album called Heart to You, which was in April 2002, followed by Kelly in April of 2002. She released her debut album Simply Deep. Side note, something really cool is she actually has a huge following in Europe, um, which I didn't know. So super cool. Um, Yes, so she first released it in in Europe and then later in um, North America. She was the first member to achieve a number one single as a solo artist and the first to win a Grammy um, as a solo artist. And she won that Grammy with Nellie for Dilemma. A fun fact about Simply Deep is Solange, Beyonce's sister, was one of the main writers on this album. And then finally, Beyonce. In July of the same year, she starred alongside Mike Myers in Austin Powers and Goldmember and was also featured on the soundtrack with her song, Work It Out. In June of 2003, she released her debut album, Dangerously in Love. And then in September of 2003, she starred alongside Cuba Gooding Jr. in the movie Fighting, The Fighting Temptations. What's interesting is looking back... I I for some reason I was under the impression that Beyonce was the first out of the group to establish a solo career um, as a singer, Uh, but actually it was Michelle and Kelly who who were first. So totally forgot and had the totally had the timeline uh, mixed up. So it's super cool that she got into acting before releasing her solo music. So, two years later, they ended their hiatus and released their final album in November of 2004, entitled Destiny Fulfilled. The singles from this album were Lose My Breath, Soldier, Girl, and Cater to You. It reached number two on the Billboard 200 and has received triple platinum certification. Fun fact about this album. This is actually Latavia's favorite Destiny's Child album and this is also Kelly's favorite Destiny's Child album. While recording this album they actually knew that this would be their last one together and they had planned to officially disband after going on tour so during their Desi's Child Fulfilled and Lovin' It world tour in 2005, they announced that they would no longer be a group and uh, made the decision to go their separate ways and focus on their solo careers. They announced this disbandment on their stop uh, to Spain and the official statement released to the press Uh, is as follows we have been working together as destiny's child since we were nine and touring together since we were 14 after a lot of discussion and some deep soul searching we realized that our current tour has given us the opportunity to leave destiny's child on a high note united in our friendship and filled with an overwhelming gratitude for our music our fans and each other after all these wonderful years working together, we realize that now is the time to pursue our personal goals and solo efforts in earnest. No matter what happens, we will always love each other as friends and sisters and will always support each other as artists. We want to thank all of our fans for their incredible love and support and hope and hope to see you all again as we continue fulfilling our destinies." End quote. They officially disbanded in 2006 and in the same year received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Interestingly, this was also the year that Latoya released her debut self titled album, which reached number one on the Billboard 200. Yay, Latoya! And received certified platinum. Destiny's Child has become one of the most successful girl groups of all time and I really enjoyed doing this mini research project that went behind um, putting this episode together for you all and let me know what you thought of this episode. I'm actually going to be planning a Destiny's Child listening party uh, to spend some time chatting about their albums and listening to some of their songs I'll be using Riverside so if you're interested in attending that there's a link in the show notes of a invite so just fill that information out and then I will get back to you on the date of when that's happening